Quick editor's note. While not explicit, there is a little bit of adult content and some sexy language in this episode, so please be advised. Thank you. A Sack Production. Sack Podcast. It's a Sack Podcast. We interview people. And then they talk. It's a Sack Podcast. The Sack Podcast. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Sack Comedy Lab Presents Podcast. Um, our not weekly, but as often as we can do it podcast where we talk about things that Sack Comedy Lab is doing, involved with, and also other artists and the world of entertainment in general. I'm Mike Carr. I'm Chris Dinger. We're really uh, happy for today's show. Today is our 200th podcast. Actually, um, it's I think it's like our maybe 13th, maybe our 14th. Is it? No, no we'll go two, seems no, 200 like it, sounds better. It seems like it's been so much longer. It seems like we've just been slowly trudging through all of these. Does it not seem like it's been 200? Maybe just maybe the 13 well, has felt long to me. This is your first one being involved. Is it? Yeah, you haven't done any other interviews. Like this is the first one you've done, right? What the hell am I talking about then? Why do you think it's a so I, one interview was like trudging for you? No. No, not at all. Maybe I've been dreaming that I've been doing po- <laughs> maybe this is Maybe I've been dreaming every night that I've been doing podcasts for SAC. That have would I be, not been? I don't think you have been. I think it's hmm. been mostly Dale and myself, but we're glad you're here, and we well, hope not to make you trudge along. No, no, I, okay. I haven't been. Are we pretending like we haven't already done the podcast no, no, this time? Yeah, well, no, we're like going to- the one that we just recorded? The way we're going to- No, basically how these intros work is we say- Wow, we got a really great podcast for you. Uh, we sat down with Jessie Dupre and we talked with her. She is from England and she runs uh, doesn't run a company, but she's a part of a company called Hayes Theater. Okay. And they do a lot of physical theater. And then we should reference like one or two things that happened in the interview so that people know, hey, look forward for this gem. Yeah, like, oh, there used to be... Uh, there used to be six members, but now there's five. Yeah, they talk about the group dynamics and how it changed. Yeah. Um, we also talk about their upcoming show, uh, where the hell is Bernard? Bur- or Bernard. Or Bernard, depending on where you're from. We hear all about their, their how the group got started, what it was like for Jesse growing up with parents that were artists. Really great conversation. I enjoyed it very much. And a little about my nipples. A little bit about Chris's nipples. So there's a lot to look forward to in this interview. Um, so you, you're going to hear that in a bit. But a couple of announcements for SAC that you need to hear. Um, just so you know, um, SAC is nominated for a couple of awards with the Orlando Weekly. Yeah, we were nominated for um, the Best Comedy Club and Best Theater Company, um, so you should vote for us to win those. Yeah, it's in the alts and cults section. Arts and culture. I meant to say arts and But you said alts and culture. (laughs) The arts and culture section of, that's hard to say, the arts and culture section of Orlando Weekly, and you can find uh, find that, I think it links directly by going to sack.com slash vote. Yes, and you can vote for us in those two categories, uh, Best Comedy Club and Best Theater Company. There's also other great things to vote for, um, so take a look at all the ballots. Um, we have a free ticket giveaway that we're doing no, via Let me our handle s- this one, Mike. You got it, Chris. Uh, there's a social media promo we're doing right now, and this is a free ticket giveaway. And wording on this is key, okay? We need to use specific terms to help guide the guests to do what helps... Am I just reading? You're the reading notes? the notes that are for you, not are for the announcement. Sack with the word, with word of mouth social media marketing. That's what we have to say. Do you want? You should. You want? Do you want to take a minute? Want me to no, do no, the next one, it. and you can come back to this no, one. No, I got it. So number one, take selfies. Okay, yes. that's the first thing. Take first selfies. Step. If you've done anything else, you've missed the first step. <laughs> number two, mention in the next, mention in the text podcast. 
So mention in the text, podcast. Take a selfie of yourself, I guess. That's what a selfie is. It's yeah. a picture of yourself. But in any context, do they have you, to be somewhere? No, or? you can be. I think for this particular giveaway we're talking about, because they're listening to the podcast, they can be anywhere. The more creative, the better. Okay. Have fun. And then just mention the text podcast. That's it. And then Facebook users check in, like us, give us a review and post a selfie. Again, post another. Step one was take a selfie. Step three is now you get to post that selfie. Yep, that's fair. On Facebook. Mm-hmm. What about Twitter and Instagram users, Chris? Well, what you're going to want to do with that selfie is tag us using at SACComedyLab.com. That's at SACComedyLab.com. And we will notify... We will notify winners. I know I haven't even mentioned that this is a contest, but we will notify the winners. Mm-hmm. Somehow you will be win. You will win, even though you don't know how you're going to win. Probably through social media. I would guess is how. That's you'd be. how. But if I say there's a winner, there's that implies there's a game. I think the game is uh, we are going to choose our favorite selfies um, and reviews and such. So get creative. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay, like there it is. you know, think about stuff that you know. We might like to see in a selfie. <laughs> Don't do <laughs> like that. <you're> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> and so you put that up, post that up, tag us, and we'll notify which ones have won. And yes. we'll give away free tickets and merchandise and that kind of thing. Yes. We also have a lot of great merchandise for sale now. Um, we have T-shirts. we got magnets. we got the SAC playbook with all the games that we play. Uh, beer koozies and, and, and the like. So uh, if you're interested in why any of that. you have to go into a uh, lisp when you say koozies? Koozies. It's just a fun word. Koozies. I don't know why. Um, but uh, you can find out more about our merchandise if you come to the theater and visit us or email dale at sac.com. He can tell you about the stuff that we sell. We have uh, summer camps are almost over except we have one summer camp for ages 7 to 9 which starts on July 25th. And that's for the youngins. Like I said, they're seven to nine years old. Really cute. You learn listening skills, teamwork, make friends. You have a good time. Mm-hmm. Well, not you, but the seven to nine-year-olds. They, yeah. they do. They have a really, really fun time. We've seen them in the theater. And there's also a show for uh, families, yeah. for the parents and, and uh, family and friends uh, at the end of that week. So if you're interested, check out sac.com slash camp. Yeah. And also, um, if you are a company or a business or just a wealthy person and you want to hire SAC to come entertain you or to do some uh, corporate training or to do some team building stuff, we do that as well. So you can email dale at sac.com. He will give you all the information about what we can do. We can travel. Uh, we'll go wherever you want us to go and bring a very specific show just for you. Mm-hmm. Do we, t- do we say SAC Podcast? Yeah, finally, um, you are listening to the podcast right now. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or go to SAC.com backslash podcast. Give us a good rating. Help us uh, become a more popular podcast. So give us a five-star rating, and Dale might give you a prize. We don't know. Mm-hmm. It's possible. If you've sat through all of these announcements and our intro. This is longer than the podcast yeah, itself. You're already halfway there, just so you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, that's enough from us. Why don't you sit back, relax, and enjoy an interview with Jesse Duplay. Okay. Uh, Dale, Dale thought it would be a good idea if, you know, for this interview, it was, you know, we are sitting down, myself, Mike Carr, and, and Chris Dinger, s- chatting with Jesse Dupre. Dupre? Dupre. Dupre? Is it a French? Is it a French? It's French, and it means of the meadow. Of the meadow. So mm-hmm. Jesse of the meadow. Jesse of the meadow. Mm-hmm. Like a sheep. Like a sheep of the meadow. <laughs> like a sheep. Have we started the show? Kind of. There's no official, like... Professional podcast. Yeah, we don't... We've started. We're just going to talk, and then, like, there'll be an intro that is recorded after we're done recording, and then this will just... Does it go like... It's a sack podcast. We interview people. And then they talk. It's a sack podcast. The sack podcast. 
That could be. I the don't intro. think you need an intro anymore. You I think we just recorded the brand new intro. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, we can use that. We can use that. Yeah, we can totally use that. We'll just. Hi, welcome to the second. Yeah, it's that end that really makes it pop. It's like, oh, now as an audience member, I know, I know that it's. I know it's. Oh, I was going to say, I know it's starting. Oh, well, I know that the intro is over, and then we start the podcast. The professional podcast is the professional the professional podcast. Uh, yeah, and that's what we are doing—a professional podcast. So, hi, Jesse. Hi, Mike Carr. Of the Meadow. Hi, Mike Carr. Yeah. And Chris Dinger. Chris, you can talk. You don't just—I I figured you're leading. Okay, sure. You're leading. I'm like just the backseat co-host. Okay, great. So, Chris, Chris, Chris is Chris your first... taking the pack. This is my first one. Yeah, it's your first time sitting in on the podcast. So, how does it feel so far? Um, I'm a little unsettled. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are very. You do look very uh, nervous. You look on edge. <laughs> Posture is very nervous. Yeah, it's like a it's like a car I've never driven before. Okay, Fair I can enough. drive a car, but I've never driven this one before. Yeah, so you so got to you got to settle still into feeling it. it out. Like I'm hitting the brakes a little too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, settle. You're into all it. over the place. Mm-hmm. It is. So let's just start. You know, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk to Jesse, our guest, uh, Jesse Dupre. Uh, Dupre. 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 Let me say it correctly. In repeat it. Dupre. Dupre. Yeah. Dupre. Okay, great. And you said it is French. So do you, you have French in your in your blood? You're you're half French. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quarter, I, I think. A quarter French from my mom's side. Excellent. And, and if you can't tell by listening, uh, she has an, a dialect because Jesse is from England. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, we're, we're in England. Going to make a joke, but then it could, you can make I a joke. Can, no, I can think of one. Jesse's from England. I don't have one. And there's no joke. It's okay. Um, where in England are you from? I'm from London. And you grew up born there. Born and raised. Born and raised in London. Mm-hmm. Is that? A regular thing, or do a lot of people like? Is London because Orlando has very few, like, well, it has it has a lot of residents, but for the most part, most people move to Orlando. Mm-hmm. They don't live and grow up in Orlando. It's yeah, I feel like it's the same in London, especially where I live. Um, people are always like, "Oh my god, you're actually from here." That's so weird. So yeah, it's the same. It's very rare. That's the reaction that I think you get a lot because Chris, you were born in Orlando and grew up in Orlando. Three two eight zero nine, baby. Never left the zip code. <laughs> No, I, I moved down three three zips to three two eight zero six. Three zips. Oh God, your parents must have been so furious with you yeah. leaving leaving the zip code. They are pissed. <laughs> even even more pissed that I'm dating a Brit. Is that is that a point of contention? It's a really big point of contention. So your parents obviously don't like Jesse. They hate me. <laughs> She's an acquired taste. Like they've gotten mm. slowly warmed up to her. Okay. <laughs> She finally won my dad's respect uh, over the ping pong table. Oh, did you beat? Did you challenge him in ping pong? And did you? We had a tournament. I mean, finally he won, but I did beat him in a few games. Okay, so so, so this that's... is actually a big lie. They love me. <laughs> Just to clarify. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Of course they do. Once you earn, you know, a man's respect by defeating him on the on the ping pong ping pong table. Ping pong table. Ping pong. Ping pong table. That's a very different thing. Very different thing. I hope you did not. I didn't do go anywhere near there. Nope. I hope you didn't. What is ping porn? It's probably and why would thing. I do that? It's probably the- a porn that's themed around the game of ping pong. Okay, I that's didn't, what I would imagine. It I didn't be. do that. Pingporn.com <laughs> is um, is an is it? Can I say it's an Asian website? You just did. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 there's just ping pong tables all over the, the background. Uh-huh. You see, yeah. And um, boobies everywhere. So it's just it's just ping pong tables. Is that like and, ping pong balls on the nipples? Oh, that, yeah. I think they might have to do that unless you pay the membership, in which case the balls remove. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a money maker. Sounds hot. It does sound hot. Uh, <laughs> so uh, also, well, you two are a couple as well. So mm-hmm. um, 
how tell us about that. I think that's interesting. You know, you guys, where did is you? That why you got us here? That's why I got you. I just want to just talk about, to relationship. Talk about our relationship. I'm just curious about. It. No, but I mean, this is you know, it's interesting because we are, we are, obviously myself and Chris, we are two people. A couple. That, we're not a couple. Like we're a professional couple, but we're not a personal couple. Um, but you know, we were we, we are we are doing this interview um, as part of the SAC Comedy Lab Presents podcast because you're a visiting artist in town. Well, obviously, we're going to talk all about your art, and mm -hmm. that's that's more important. Than the relationship. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a thing. You know, it's the two thing. of you are a couple. When did you meet? Like, because you know, you're from across ocean, an ocean apart. You know, mm -hmm. not at the moment. And physically, we're next to each other. <laughs> but you know, where did where did it all start? Um, at Fringe. Oh, the Orlando International Fringe Theater Festival. Yeah. And you Renowned. saw me and batted my eyelids. Mm -hmm. Oh, was that? Did you pursue him? I think it was mutual. Okay. Nice. It was two years ago at Fringe. Yes. We came with our show Oyster Boy, and then I met Chris on like the third to last night, and then we left, and then I cried. Aww. And then we hung out again in Vegas a month later, which is unplanned, but very fun. I think she first saw me. I first saw her in a oh. um, in a uh, a gay improv show where I oh, was. Oh, uh, was that Truth or Dare with Pepe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, Pepe's well, yeah, that was when we first saw you, but I didn't talk to you because I was too tired and couldn't bother. <laughs> she said I was flirting with all the other, all the other people in her troupe. Well, I said they were flirting with you. Oh, I wasn't. No, actually, I don't. Maybe they would. I can't remember. But there I was mm -hmm. on stage. There he was in, in a gay improv show. Twenty-eight-year-old man in the prime of his life. Naturally, um, <laughs> the best shape of my life. <laughs> with. Nipples tanned like a, a slightly burnt piece of toast. <laughs> I didn't see your nipples on that show. You didn't? Mm-mm. Oh. I usually take my shirt off. It's pretty, you yeah, didn't. it's pretty standard that Chris will wind up shirtless. He seemed pretty shy on that show, though. Maybe it was, I don't know. You didn't, you weren't very outgoing on that show. Yeah. There was probably a lot going on in that show. I imagine it wasn't like a... There was a lot going on. Yeah, it's probably a lot going on. There's probably a lot of... A lot of Jello shots. And jello shots and fun stuff, but that's nice that you guys met. And now you're you've been together for a couple of years at this mm -hmm. point. So, so you're back here again, um, which is wonderful. And you came again to Fringe this year with your group. Mm -hmm. Tell Not us a about your group. Show. I'd love to hear more about your, your your group. Is this a company that you work with a lot? What, yeah, what, 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 we uh, we're called Haste Theatre, and we met doing a master's in physical theatre in 2012. Um, and there was only six of us on the course, and all women and we just gelled really well as a group and made our first show Oyster Boy and then just kind of continued being a company, became a limited company, um, made two shows, so we've got three shows in our repertoire we're making another one right now. Um, yeah, we just tour around, first went to San Diego Fringe and Rome, the first year we went touring we got, like we met Mike Marinaccio mm -hmm. in San Diego and he was like, oh the show would do really well in Orlando, you should come next year. So we came, just took a chance, <laughs> spent all our money on flights. Oh, um, but yeah, obviously, like the fringe is amazing and puts artists up, which is a massive expense if you're not put up. Um, thankfully, in San Diego as well, we were put up by like family friends of one of the girls. So we were just staying in the desert, like seven of us in this small house, the most amazing host. They had us for like two months, um, <laughs> which is pretty intense. But yeah. So now we're making a new show. We're based in London, and then we'll tour that one, and we're doing another little tour of Oyster Boy in 2017. And, 
yeah, we do workshops and just make work. Nice. Uh, tell people how, like, give some, give them some insight on the process of devising your mm-hmm. shows because I think that's interesting. Yeah, and and, and and just as and to build on that, it seems like you're you're very based in physical theater. That seems to be mm-hmm. a very big part of your of yeah. your of your broad base. Mm-hmm. So tell us, yeah. What physical tell? theater? Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of people are like, "What is it exactly?" It covers a right wide range of things. Um, some people are like, "Oh, so you're like a mime? You're like a clown and a mime artist, right?" You don't speak. <laughs> I'm like, um, well, that, "That is physical theater." But uh, so we, yeah, it's basically devised work. So we start with a story and um, we devise a show from the story. So we use a lot of improvisation during the rehearsal process and like break the story down into different action points or like beats mm-hmm. of the story so like maybe we'll take 10 beats of this one particular story and then we'll kind of discuss what we want in the show and like what kind of feel what time setting we want it set in um that obviously gives like the type of music we'll have which informs the type of movement that we'll use because we have like dance and stuff in our shows um yeah and then we just got we haven't had we had a director for one of our shows but apart from that we're like self-direct um and yeah we just devise around the action points then kind of put it all together and then stick in songs and dance and like if we know we want like a choreographed piece of dance in one certain scene we'll choreograph that and then we'll add it to the rest of the um beats cool so the six of you kind of share the share the role at least uh from aside from the one show we had a director where you Mm. all kind of take the reins and help each other out yeah, actually, we're actually five now because um, one girl left sadly oh. um, to pursue other things. Uh, but sh- but yeah, we kind of take the reins and we like when we were making Oyster Boy, we used video a lot, so we would film ourselves, um, which was great because then you could immediately see like, oh, that looks horrendous. Why <laughs> you know like immediately like cut things that don't work or like, oh, that looks really interesting. Let's keep that like visually. And then um, towards usually towards the end of the devising process, we get like a professional director to come mm-hmm. in and have a look or like one of our old tutors who are also directors will come and kind of clean it up a bit for us and then we'll put it in front of audiences and then we're always like developing our shows mm-hmm. so even so we did Edinburgh last year um, with our show The Hideout which is the one we brought here and we were literally like tweaking it the whole way through and we'd already been doing that show for like a year and a half um, we just make little tweaks like, oh, try doing this line, you know, mm. just say this this tonight, just see how that goes down, just because we had, like, 27 shows in 28 days, so we could afford to just kind of play around with different things and different jokes and stuff, so it's quite fluid, which is nice. Do you find yourself as, a, as an actor and a performer um, drawn to more kind of work that allows you to manipulate it a little bit as it's going on? Like, for, for example, you know, improv, we, in, in improvisation, like we do here at SAC, Every show is completely different, even if we're mm-hmm. playing the same games, because the content is always different. Yeah. But when you do scripted work, and we've been exploring some scripted stuff lately, um, I don't know, I feel this way, and I'm, I'm, Chris, you can weigh in how you feel. Um, even though we have s- stuff that we've written ourselves, it's always a little bit malleable, mm-hmm. even in shows, because we'll find moments that might work a little differently or work better. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself like really drawn to that? Because I know some, some mm-hmm. directors and some performers are very much like, if it's on the page, and you know, not necessarily if it's on the page, but, you know... When you rehearse a play that's pre-written, it's like, well, mm-hmm. these are the things that have to happen in the play because these are the beats of the play. Yeah, um, yeah. And these are the moments that we worked in rehearsal. Do you find yourself kind of drawn to a more more of a style that allows you to be a little more malleable, to make a different choice mm-hmm. in, a, in a performance, even when they're running? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that as a company, that's all we've known. Mm-hmm. We've never worked from a script. So we always devise our work. And then the only reason that we write a script 
like write down all of our ideas is for the tech, like mm -hmm. for the technician basically. We're like, oh yeah, we should, because then like we'll have a script just for the, the technician, so like a sound and lighting cues yeah. script, and then we will change like a whole character. So for example, in the hideout, um, there used to be six of us, and then the girl that I said she left, and so we had to um, then change it so it was like fit five people, and then all the names changed because I changed character and like then we realized that the script was completely off and like we performed it a couple of times and we had to say to the technician like oh um every time it says Poseidon it's actually Dionysus so like obviously then when we came to Orlando like I edited the script and mm -hmm. like we all kind of changed it but yeah definitely we're drawn to um I think shows that can like include improv because we do have some improv in our shows like it's quite loose and we play with the audience that's a large part of the style is like the interaction with the audience mm -hmm. so it has to be fluid and we know the show well enough and like we know ourselves well enough as performers like the other performers that um if someone does say something differently we can just kind of roll with it and like we'll know that it's just you know like it's only for the technician that we kind of have to stick to the script sure. for the certain cues but yeah. apart from that we can just pick up yeah and I, and I think you shouldn't necessarily screw up cues but yeah. you know there are moments like it's, I, was, I, I was watching a play and something happened in the play that clearly had never happened before mm -hmm. the actor did something different and the other actors responded to it and I, I was just really impressed with that because a lot of some theaters and plays are very against that like once you, once you rehearse mm -hmm. it it's very each moment has to stay the way it was mm -hmm. you know it's like oh I answer the like if it's a phone getting picked up if you pick it up angrily or quickly, mm -hmm. but normally you're supposed to pick it up slowly, that changes the reaction that you're going to yeah, get. Yeah. And I think it's I think the reaction is what's really interesting, not the mm -hmm. rehearsed action, if that makes sense. Yeah, you yeah. Say something before I, cut you off. I was going to say, do you in, in the shows that you do, do you? I know you allow there are moments built into the structure into the into the show that are improvised, but do you find yourself ever improvising in moments that aren't set aside as? more improvised moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and also sometimes if one of us says a line differently just because that just happened, like, not even a, that they're having an off day, but they just say their line or they, like, forget to say their line, we always have to improvise around it, and I think it never shows. Like, I've, we've done the same show, and I think even shows that you've been to, Chris, like, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that moment that usually is like this, and you'd be like, oh, I didn't... You know, it wasn't obvious at all to the audience because we always just, like, pick it up. And mm. it's never like, oh, oh no, they didn't say the line. Now I'm supposed to say my line. It's like, oh, okay, then cool. We'll just, like, roll with it and because it's so, yeah, it's fluid enough that we can do that. Yeah, I remember seeing your show this year. I didn't see Oyster Boy, mm -hmm. um, but I did see The Hideout. And one thing that stood out to me while I was watching it was the sense of ensemble that you all have. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're, you know, every one of you shined at different moments, but you all supported each other really well. And I think that's... It goes to what you're saying, you know, you, you be supportive of what's happening as opposed to rigidly about the cues and, and mm -hmm. the moments of the, that you've already worked out. So mm -hmm. um, when you were developing, when you're developing, you're, obviously you're all friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know, it, it shows. I think um, when, you, when you were in that class together, just kind of going back to the beginning of the group, like what was the moment where you all just said, hey, we got to do something? Like what, what, did something happen and said, hey, we, we need to become a group or we need to, we need to do something beyond this? Um, well, the masters that we did was actually... It was really amazing, and we had to do three shows during the Masters. So the first one, um, we worked with a director, and it was completely directed, and we didn't really help in the devising process. The second one was directed and devised by us. So it was kind of like co-written. 
The third one was Oyster Boy, which we worked on on our own completely mm -hmm. with no director. And then part of the course was that you had to then go and tour that third show that you made. Um, and the tour could be anywhere. You just had to have at least three venues. So it could be in London anywhere. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it could be in, not in a proper theatre. But we just kind of were ambitious and we're like, oh, let's go to San Diego and Rome and, you know, wherever. We yeah, did, take like, it a, on the road. <laughs> yeah, because um, we just like randomly applied to these festivals and got in and we're like, oh, okay, somehow we'll make it happen. And then I think it just kind of organically evolved from there. And as you said, like we are really good friends and that year of the Masters was so intense that we, we spent so much time together and like just formed this really strong bond and somehow it works really well, like 95% of the time. Um, and yeah, I... I don't think there was a specific moment. Maybe there was for the others, mm. but I think it was more like after the Masters finished, I think we all felt like, okay, we have to keep this going momentum-wise because we had such strict discipline and like structure within the Masters. Obviously, we were there like, you know, nine to five or whatever, or 10 till 10 sometimes when we were rehearsing. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously like when you don't have that structure of a Masters and you don't have like an institution and a set rehearsal space and tutors and assessments and essays and stuff, it's, it would be easy just to kind of let it go and for people to be like, oh, well, I have to go and earn money now. Or like, oh, I'm moving back home. Because two, like, two of the girls are from Italy. They could have easily been like, oh, well, yeah, I'm going back home now. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was like a lot of effort to stay together. But for some reason, it was just felt like it, it was never really discussed. It was just like, OK, so what's the next project? Kind of or like, you know, what's the next thing? Cool. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, my... My last question for this is <laughs> Jesse Dupre um, in my line of questioning. I've got 30 more. So. Is um, I've heard clowning and I've heard physical theater, mm. and we, you identify your group as a physical theater company. Mm -hmm. um, so is clowning a subset of physical theater, or are they, I guess they would be a subset. Yeah, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, clowning is a type of physical theatre, but fi as I said, like physical theatre can be an umbrella for many different things. So it can like physical theatre can encompass dance theatre, mime, clowning, um, yeah, loads of different things. But yeah, if that answers the question, clowning mm -hmm. is definitely goes hand in hand. I've trouble wrapping my head around what exactly what exactly is physical theatre. What sets it apart from say like Improv. We do improv, and mm -hmm. a lot of what we do is physical-based. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's all kind of similar, and it's all quite loosely, like, labeled, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think physical theater is mainly devised work, so it's not like a normal play with a script. Um, and it, as I said, like, it can contain dance and music and improv and stuff. It is, like, a broad term that people can kind of label themselves underneath I think it's a lot of comedy as well a lot of physical comedy um, but yeah it's not like one set thing and there's loads of different versions of it yeah what 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 made you become want to become an artist or become a performer what what, what for you personally was like an inspiration when you were a kid or something that got you got you excited about performing um, childhood any childhood traumas that that Made me go into drama therapy. Usually, usually <laughs> it's childhood traumas that make us go into this yeah. this horrible this hor business. Yeah, it's horrible business. Um, <laughs> I always wanted to be an actress when I was younger. I did um, a lot of plays and stuff in school. School is in like high school, I guess you guys call it primary school. 
I don't know. So what primary the school is. So in primary school, England is high school in America. No, no, no. Primary school is um, from like age five until eleven, and then secondary school is eleven till eighteen. So oh, okay. I, yeah, I sorry, I mixed up what I said, but I did a lot of plays in like primary school. Okay. And then I did drama and theatre in secondary school. But then I did my bachelor's in French and Russian, so I wasn't really doing um, theatre when I was like 17. I kind of gave it up a little bit. Um, and then in my last year of my bachelor's, I started taking actually like clowning and physical theatre and just theatre workshops and stuff um, all the time. Because mm -hmm. I, I think I, like, it was just part of me just really, really missed it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really realise. And then just applied to the master's actually like a week before it started. It was huh. kind of an impulse thing. Um, and luckily, I was yeah very lucky to get in. And yeah, my parents are artists, so the kind of artist. What um, kind of artists are your parents? Are they performing performance artists? Or? My dad's a poet. He's a writer, and my mum is an is an artist, like a visual artist. Okay. So um, yeah, I think it's kind of in my blood. Sure, a little bit. You, were, you were around it ever mm -hmm. since you were a kid. Who are yeah. some influences for you? Like, who would you look to to say that they're performers that helped inspire you, or or or, or gave you a, a kick to do better? <laughs> Um, there were so many shows that inspired me. Like, there's such amazing theatre and dance in London. My mum used to take me to so many dance shows. She's really into dance. Mm -hmm. um, there's an amazing venue called Sadler's Wells who put on, like, contemporary dance. Um, there's one choreographer who I love called Yasmin Vardaman. Um, it's just those shows that you see when you're like, oh, man, I just really want to do that. <laughs> um, my dad used to make up, not make us, but, like, we'd watch a lot of... Um, comedy and stuff when we were younger so like Marx Brothers and mm -hmm. that kind of physical comedy obviously like Charlie Chaplin and um, uh, what am I trying to say Lauren Hardy mm -hmm. those kind of like classic sort of yeah. physical comedian clowning kind of things I think they definitely inspired me somehow um, yeah and then other like contemporary physical theatre companies and stuff um, and yeah a lot of dance like Pina Bausch people like that what was Pina Bausch? Pina Bausch is a German choreographer. She's mm -hmm. now dead, but she, oh my God, she's epic. Just, yeah, Google her. Okay, I will do that. She's influenced <laughs> so many things, so many, so many dancers, so many um, physical theater companies, and she, yeah, she's huge. She's amazing. Nice. And, and so tell us a little bit about the new show you're working on. Can you give us a, a sneak peek or anything about it? Um, it's about very it? much in its early stages. I actually wrote the idea for the show when I was in Orlando last time. Oh, cool. Um, it's called Where the Hell is Bernard. And where the Hell is Bernard? Where the Hell. Where is he? Where, where, the, hell, where, where the Hell is Bernard? Where the Hell is Bernard. I heard weather. Weather. Where hell is it's, Bernard. It's the accent. Um, <laughs> where the Hell is Bernard. And yeah, I... It's kind of difficult to talk about because it's not really developed yet, but it's about this guy who goes missing, essentially. And then there's a group of four women who work in a lost and found office in a kind of oppressive, like, cult-like re regime. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they receive a box of his um, belongings and they try and send it back because it's just their job to, like, receive things and send them back. And then one day he, they can't send it back, so they go on this massive search for him and the whole show is going to be kind of the journey of like where Bernard has gone and then the women's journey to find him. Oh, cool. And like what happens with that. Yeah. Where the hell is Bernard? Where the hell is, is like he? That, that's just a very catchy name. Mm-hmm. Already, immediately. Very fun. We say Bernard in England, Bernard. but um, when I was coming up with the idea for it and I was talking to Chris about it, he was like, Bernard? And I was like, that's so much funnier. So then we adopted Bernard instead Bernard? of Bernard. That's another one of those. Uh, so if you're going to throw something into 
a place where it's going to be dumped into a giant truck and take it to a landfill because you don't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. What do you call that? A dump? Well, the dump is where it's going, but like the, the, the actual can that you're going to throw it in. The rubbish? The, the rubbish. That was... I'm just curious. Is that because that's a trick question? Well, I was trying to see if you said rubbish or trash. Dustbin? Dustbin. No, I wouldn't say trash. We never, we wouldn't ever Why, say that. What, does trash mean something else? Uh, no. Because we use it as a word White to trash? describe. We use it to describe certain people. Humans. We call people trash a lot in yeah, America. Yeah, we wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and we also call our, our, our refuse or our rubbish trash mm -hmm. as well. We don't really use that word, trash. Yeah. We, like, we know what it is because we know it means American for... Um, rubbish, but what, like I never use the word trash, apart from here when I'm working at camps, and mm -hmm. if I say rubbish, they're like what? So I have to be like, go and put it in the trash. Yeah, we're easily amused by things that are different than us. Yeah, one of our sad, sadder points of being American. Sometimes I'm like trying to have a serious conversation with Chris and Adam, and they start laughing, and I don't realize why, and then I'm like, oh, because you don't say that word, <laughs> and it's like, really, two years later, is it still funny when we say different things? I'm just laughing because Adam was laughing. But there was one time when, because you guys say snap your fingers like this, mm -hmm. yeah. we say click, and I was like telling Chris a story about clicking fingers, and he was just laughing, and I was like, it's not that funny a story, and then I realized why, because I say click instead of snap. Click my fingers. I'll click my fingers. <laughs> no one can understand her when she orders water, either. She has to yeah, but now I have a new tactic, is where I wait for you to order it first, and then I say, I'll have the same. Because I say, can, I have, a, can I have a glass of water? So firstly, glass, and then water, and like it's the first thing. Can I have a glass of water? And we just don't understand. She's, she's not the artful dodger. Can I have a glass of water? <laughs> but like it's the first thing that they hear me say when they come to the table, and they're not mm -hmm. expecting me to have an accent, so they're like, what? If you're expecting to hear, may I have, may I have some water, and you hear, can I have a glass of water? A glass. <laughs> They don't, they're thrown off by it. I, uh, yeah, I guess so, but a like, glass of water is an expression that everyone should know. So, But if you use different vowel no, sounds, they then don't, they... They understand those words, they just didn't understand them how they came out of her mouth. Sure. And it, it's really annoying. Sorry. One time, me and Chris, I made Chris nearly leave a bar because the woman didn't, and I just got so frustrated. I was like, I just find it really disrespectful. I'm, I'm talking English, and she just doesn't understand what I'm saying. He was like, do you want to leave? I was like, no, it's fine, I just won't have a drink. <laughs> she doesn't get me. I was hangry. She happens to doesn't all of us. get me. It's not your fault. It's her fault for not understanding and not taking the time to understand. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, screw that lady. What, what restaurant was that? Let's let's, let's give them. A, let's give them a, I'm not no, say. we don't say their name. Um, <laughs> so uh, as we wrap up uh, again, thank you for sitting down and talking with us. You're um, welcome. So you've had an opportunity when you're here to kind of help some of us, uh, some of, some other actors here at SAC. You've had the opportunity to kind of do some coaching for physical workshops mm -hmm. um, so yeah. to kind of help. Us learn about that. How has that been for you, uh, being a, 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 I hesitate to use the word a teacher, but like you've been teaching and mm -hmm. uh, helping us. How's that yeah. been for you? It's been amazing. Um, it's been really interesting learning that people are like have a thirst for for learning about European physical theatre because mm. obviously it's not really taught here. Whereas in London, um, you can learn about anything, and obviously you can. There are many places you can learn European physical theatre and like clowning stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun. And so I did one with um, Sophie, a girl, a girl in my company, when mm -hmm. during Fringe when they were all here. And then a few people were like, "Oh, I'd love to," you know, like I couldn't make it. Can you do another one? And I didn't expect that at all. But I was like, "Yeah, of course." Like if there's enough people, and then like 20 people signed up, 
Um, and then did that one, and, and then people were like, oh, I really like to do another, you being one of those people in my I was class. one of those people, I um, loved it. Being like, oh, if, if you did another one, I'd definitely take it. So now I've been doing a few of them, which has been really, really great. Oh, it's been great for us, too, because it's it's a new discipline. Uh, it's, mm. it's stuff that we touched on. I, I, I have a degree in theater as well, and mm -hmm. um, we, we learned about physical theater, but we didn't delve into it much. Mm -hmm. our, our course of study was much more about um, just studying plays and working on, mm -hmm. you know, working scripts as opposed mm -hmm. to really taking the time to just work, work physical theater yeah. and clowning. So. Yeah, clowning is one of those things that, like, you have to really work on. Uh, mm -hmm. So I've been giving kind of an introduction to clown, which is also quite difficult because it's kind of a bizarre genre and it's, like, hard to teach in, like, two hours. Oh, I bet. Um, but it's uh, cool to see what people come up with and... Um, it's such a fun thing to do and there's so many different exercises and games and like it takes, like when I was learning it, it's quite, um, it's quite a difficult process that you go through because it often like comes from yourself mm -hmm. as a performer. It's not like you're playing a part, you're kind of playing a ridiculous um, version of yourself, which is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like all of us in the company when we were doing clowning one specific show just had like breakdowns because like, am I really like this? Because we're kind of like labeled like, oh, you're the bossy one and you're the stupid one and you're the whatever. Um, but that was kind of like an extension of ourselves and it was kind of horrifying to find that out and then hilarious at the same time. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of stuff that I think all people who want to call themselves actors and performers need to go through uh, to a degree. I, broken I think down. It's easy to take the easy way out and not really do that self-introspective mm -hmm. look and actually be willing to open yourself up to that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that makes you a stronger performer. And yeah, and a general. stronger person, yeah. I think, because you're like, mm -hmm. oh, man, I have the, all these qualities. Maybe I should chill out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, so is there an opportunity uh, if you, for others to, to learn from, from you? Is that not yeah. that coming fact, up? Yeah, in fact, because I'm leaving on the 25th of July, mm -hmm. uh, but there's, I'm doing two more. So one is um, already booked up on the 21st, but there's another one on the 23rd of July. Um, which will be in the evening from 7... Wait, hang on, that's a Saturday, isn't it? So 23rd is a Saturday, so that one will be um, around 12 till 3. It'll okay. be a three-hour workshop. So, um, yeah, find me on Facebook, or there's a public event on Facebook called okay, Physical right. Physicality and Clowning Workshop. So you can find it, or, yeah, just ask me, yeah. message me, and whatever. it's if totally you worth come. doing. I, I think, Chris, you did it as well, didn't you? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we had a lot of... I know I had a lot of fun. Cool. Really great. Yeah. So, um, Haste Theatre, mm -hmm. that's, that's your home theatre in, in London. You're working on a new show. Mm -hmm. Where the hell is, Bern is Bernard? Yep. I almost said Bernard. <laughs> Bernard. Where the, Bernard. Hell, where the hell is Bernard? Uh, where the bloody hell is Bernard? So, so um, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us. Thanks for having we me. We hope that you have the, enjoy the rest of your time here in, in good old Orlando, Florida. We're going to New Orleans, so New oh, Orleans. New Orleans? When are you going to New Orleans? The Sunday. Sunday. Get the hell out of here. Nice. Get out of here. Go to New Orleans. City. Have you ever been to New Orleans? I haven't. Oh, I'm it's really beautiful. excited. Uh, my favorite thing about New Orleans was walking down the street one day, and there was an apartment for rent, and it's mm -hmm. just hanging from one of the, uh, the porches, because there's just all the houses have these porches that extend off of them. Mm -hmm. And it just said, you know, for rent, and then another sign hung underneath it that said, haunted. <laughs> what? They advertise their houses as haunted because there's, so there's ghosts all over Nolans. Oh my so. god, that's so great. They're very superstitious down Yeah, yeah, so. very superstitious. I want to go on a ghost tour, that'd be great. Oh, you totally should go on a ghost tour. Mm -hmm. I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's pretty amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, great. Thank you so much, Jesse Dupre. Dun. You're welcome, my car. I'm Chris Dan. Chris is going to oh, get us out. Here it is. Sack Comedy Lab Podcast.
It's done. And we're done. Cool. Bye. This has been a SAC production. Like us on Facebook.com slash SAC Comedy Lab. Follow at SAC Comedy Lab on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.